Well, good morning. I'm always humbled to speak. It seems like uh, every time I speak, there are four or five visitors. I assure you that usually we do have better speakers um, on the, the bottom of the barrel. But um, to answer any questions you might have, yes, I do shave. Um, uh, about once a week now, but... Um, <laughs> um, if I could give you a, a personal update with something that's been happening in my life, um, uh, Justin talked to me a, a couple months ago about potentially going to the Galilee program. Um, for those of you that maybe don't remember or don't know, it's a, a discipleship program that Justin was able to go to uh, a few years ago. Um, it's, uh, they, they teach you how to uh, study the Bible in depth, they uh, go to door to door, they uh, do open-air messages at, at the mall and so forth. And so I decided to apply, and uh, I found out just Monday that I have um, been accepted into that program. So um, if you could just keep me in your prayers. Um, I've shared with many of the young people my desire uh, or my prayer is that my heart would be in the right place. Um, I, I don't want to go to this program and uh, simply learn something. Um, I really do want to have a, a life-changing experience. And so uh, if you could pray for me at this time as I try and prepare myself. Uh, Justin, uh, luckily, has um, offered to coach me up a little bit. So uh, I don't know if they, they know what they've gotten themselves into by accepting me, but kind of a, kind of a wild thing. So, uh, <laughs> uh, But if you remember in November, uh, last time I spoke, um, I spoke on fellowship. Uh, and I spoke from uh, the book of Colossians and 1 John. And the main focus or the main emphasis of that message was that we ought to love one another in our fellowship. Um, up until last night at 11 o'clock, I thought I knew what I was going to speak on. Uh, it has been a, a very long uh, 12 hours for me. But um, uh, I, I found out that uh, in doing my studies that um, in, in all of the letters that Paul writes to the various churches in the New Testament, uh, you can turn to Romans chapter 13, by the way, Romans chapter 13. Um, Paul is the, really the only one in the New Testament that uses the phrase put on. Um, there are five instances, instances in the New Testament when um, Paul instructs the people of God to put something off and to put something on. Um, and each time it has the same idea of taking your old clothes off and putting new clothes on. And to us, that speaks of um, taking off our flesh, per se, or the desires of the flesh that we have and put on um, the Holy Spirit. Uh, we're going to look at um, one of those instances. Actually, we're going to be looking at two. If you want to do a study on it yourself, um, on, on the five places in which Paul tells uh, the people to put something on, you'll find it in Romans chapter 13, which we'll look at today, Galatians chapter 3. Ephesians, which we'll also look at chapters 4 and 6, and Colossians chapter 3. And each time uh, we see that it kind of pertains to a different area of our life. Um, the one we'll be looking at in the book of Romans um, kind of instructs us on how we should put on Christ towards um, uh, more of a practical sense. And that's what we'll be looking at this morning. Uh, kind of a background on the, uh, the book of Romans. If, if you were to do a study on the book of Romans, to understand it, you, you'd have to um, really understand righteousness. Uh, we serve a God who is righteous, who is just, who um, will not tolerate sin. And if you put that into perspective, uh, it helps you understand uh, the book of Romans. But uh, before we dive into to chapter 13, in Romans chapter 1, uh, verse 18 through uh, chapter 3 and verse 30, uh, Paul emphasizes the need of righteousness and shows that all men 
Jews and Gentiles um, are condemned because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Um, in uh, Romans chapter 3, verse 31, through chapter uh, 5, verse 21, we see that all men can be justified, um, thank you, uh, can be justified or declared righteous through faith and faith alone in the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, in, in chapter uh, 6, verse 1 through chapter 8, uh, Paul speaks of how righteousness can be accomplished. Um, and uh, Romans 9, 10, and 11, we see um, Paul speaks of Israel and their election, the rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and how he plans on restoring them, which we heard from Justin um, not too long ago. And then from chapter 12 through really the end of the chapter, um, Paul speaks of how we should practice righteous living in the church, uh, in the society, towards the government, um, and so on. Um, and so here we are in Romans chapter 13. Could you get me a cup of water, please? Thank you. Uh, Romans chapter 13. We'll be starting in verse 11, but for context, we can um, start reading in verse 8. Um, he says, Owe no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet, and if there is any other commandment, um, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. And the idea here is that if I truly love uh, my neighbor, just um, we remember when uh, someone came up to the Lord Jesus and asked, well, who is my neighbor? He then goes on to give the uh, story of the Good Samaritan and how, thank you, the, the Good Samaritan um, uh, was able to uh, help the person. And so in that, we see that everyone is our neighbor. And so the idea here is that if I really did love my neighbor, loved everyone as I loved myself, um, I would not steal from a person. I, I would not covet something they have. I would not murder because I would not do those things to myself. Um, so that's the idea. But in verse 11, we're going to see the, the idea and really the theme of our message. It says, And do this knowing the time, that now it is a high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand, and let us put, uh, put on the armor of light. There's, there's one of them right there. Put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in reverie and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Let's just pray really quickly. Our dear Heavenly Father, we do uh, thank you for this time that you've allowed us to come together to open your word. Father, I personally thank you for the opportunity to speak to your people. Um, but Father, I would ask that I personally would not have one thing to say. But Father, that every word that is spoken tonight, Father, or this morning would uh, be of your spirit. Uh, Father, we desire to be changed. We desire to um, know fully and more completely who your son is and what you desire us to be and how to go about our daily life. And so Father, we just commit this time to you and ask for your blessing upon us. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Okay, so um, what we're going to be looking at this morning is putting on Christ, um, and, and really the idea of that. Um, we see in, in verse 11 that the saints at this time believed that the coming of the Lord was very near. Uh, in fact, they always said it could happen today, as we always say today. And it's, it's not really, I don't say that to mock the, the early church, but we should use that, um, the fact that we do not know when, when the Lord would return, to motivate ourselves um, to put on Christ each and every day and to um, walk in a way that uh, he would desire us to do. 
Um, let's see, I'm getting kind of lost in my notes. Um, but in, in verse 12, Paul instructs the people to put on the armor of light. Um, we're very familiar with the armor of God, but what, what is the armor of light? In, a, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, you don't have to turn there. It says, this is the message which we have heard and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And so you could see that this is really um, another reference to uh, putting on the armor of God, um, putting on the armor of light. So, um, so uh, verse chapter 14, he tells us to put on Christ and to make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Um, I, I have a, a friend, uh, well, I, I, I don't know if you can really call it a friend anymore, but um, she went to camp and her, her parents had gotten divorced. And to, to kind of cope with that or to kind of comfort herself, she uh, got involved in partying um, at her high school with her friends. And um, unfortunately at these parties, I imagine they're different now than how they were before, but. Uh, Almost all the time, there's, there's always drinking involved, perhaps drugs, and so uh, she kind of fell into this. Well, when she went up to camp, uh, the Lord was kind of tugging on her heart, and she decided that week, um, I'm going to stop. Uh, I'm going to change. I'm, I'm not going to party anymore. Um, uh, when she got home, she found out that she got accepted into San Diego State University, and um, that school, I'm sure it's a fantastic school, but one of the uh, things that it's known for is being a very big party school. Well, she decided to go anyways, and unfortunately, she ended up falling into uh, partying again, and um, to my understanding, she's still doing that. Um, I'm not going to say that perhaps she shouldn't have gone to that school, but really, to make no provision for the flesh is really an extreme uh, term. Uh, to make no provision, perhaps she shouldn't have gone to that school. Perhaps she should have taken time to go to a community college applied to a different school, to not put herself in a place where she could be tempted to fall back into that again. Um, and so we, we really need to take that seriously, to make no provision for the flesh, to fulfill its lust. Uh, but that's, that's our thought this morning, to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and, and what that means. If you could turn to uh, the book of Ephesians, this is where we'll be spending the rest of our time. The book of Ephesians. Ephesians in chapter 4. We're going to take that idea of putting on Christ and what it means. Um, a background on the, the book of Ephesians, uh, Paul is speaking uh, to Gentiles at this time. Um, Gentiles who have come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, uh, he speaks of the truth that salvation is by faith and faith alone and not through works of human striving. Um, in chapters 1, 2, and 3, he addresses a central doctrine of the Christian faith. You'll see in, in chapter 1, you'll see the work of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in terms of our salvation. Um, and then chapters 4, 5, and 6, uh, Paul describes how these spiritual truths uh, should be reflected in a Christian's behavior. Um, many people, many scholars believe that the book of Ephesians was not written to one church. Um, they, they believe that because um, in most letters that Paul writes, he usually addresses specific people, and you don't see that in the book of Ephesians. Um, and, and they find that kind of strange because we know that Paul spent uh, two or three years um, in Ephesus. And so they believe that perhaps this was a letter written to be read at many different uh, congregations around an area. Um, just something that you can think about for yourself. Um, and so... 
So here we are in chapter 4. We'll be starting in verse 1. We'll actually be going through this entire chapter. And the, the goal this morning is that we'll be able to um, see specifically how the Lord Jesus would desire us to conduct ourselves and to walk um, on a daily basis. In a practical sense, we're going to talk about how um, we are to act inside the church and how each person should be um, taking um, part and so on and so forth. But um, Ephesians uh, chapter 4 and verse 1 um, he says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity um, of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all, and in you all. Um, it's interesting that as Paul uh, begins to instruct the people on how they should live on a day-to-day -day basis, the first thing he mentions is unity in the church. Um, uh, unity is something that I think is lacking in the church today. We, we, uh, last time I spoke in November, we mentioned how I had heard a, heard a survey, heard a survey, um, and basically the question that was asked to multiple people in this world was, what, what are your opinions on the Christian church? Um, and a majority of them responded and said, the Christian church is a building full of hypocrites. Um, and, and really, that, that should, should strike our hearts. Perhaps it's because we uh, preach something on Sunday, uh, but live something completely in the, in, in, in the opposite on Monday through Saturday. Um, and, and really, there's just so much uh, disunity in the church. It's, it's amazing. But anyways, um, here we see... Uh, in verse 1, that Paul instructs the people to walk worthy of the calling. Um, and then he gives them specifically how, how they should walk. And he gives um, a four things that we are to do. Uh, it's really the recipe for unity in the church. Starting with verse 2, it says, With all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. Uh, with all lowliness, with all uh, humility. Uh, we think of the Lord Jesus Christ and how he came down and um, how his people expected him to come as a king with great power, with great authority, um, to save them from, from the government themselves. But he came in a manger. In a manger. Uh, and if that wasn't low enough, he would eventually die on the cross, uh, the most shameful and, 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 and humiliating death one could ever experience. Um, we see that with Christ's humility, um, there, it knew, new bound, it knew no, no bounds. Um, he says for us to walk in gentleness. Walk in gentleness. I have a, a friend, uh, it's a Christian family, who uh, used to go to an assembly, and um, they ended up leaving the assembly because they uh, were mistreated very badly there. Um, they did not uh, feel any gentleness from the saints um, of the assembly that they were attending, and um, they ended up leaving. And these are things really we should we should we should really be serious about with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, uh, with, with patience. And then finally, he says, bearing with one another in love. Um, and, and, and if you were to look this up in the original text, it, it actually means to put up with, um, to put up with in, in love. Um, just something I was kind of thinking about in, in my meditating on this is oftentimes when we fail the Lord, we will often cry out to him, um, asking for mercy um, asking for him to, uh, you know, give us another chance, perhaps. Uh, but the moment that someone fails us or lets us down, 
we often don't practice that, do we? We often, you know, they let us down. Well, we're never going to ask them to do anything again, or I can't depend on this person. Um, we lack patience. We, we lack um, be the bearing with one another in love. Um, and then finally, he says, endeavoring to keep the unity. Um, and if you, you look that up in, in the original text, it actually means to make every effort or um, to work hard at maintaining. Um, we should be fighting to keep the unity in the church. This is something that, that we should have very serious. And if, and if we put on each and every one of these characteristics, we'd have people, we'd have Christ-like Christ people just walking around. I think people would come in and they'd just be so attracted to what they saw. Um, so attracted, attra attracted to us because, you know, we, we're, we should be like Christ. And uh, we see that if we, if we put on humility, if we put on gentleness, if we were patient and we, we bared with one another, uh, we really wouldn't have a problem with disunity in the church. Um, just something to think about. And then he, he goes on in Ephesians um, uh, chapter 4, starting in, in uh, verse 7. Uh, he then goes on to a spiritual gifts and how we should apply that to our lives. And um, he, he begins to focus on um, how we should be in the church. And this is really kind of the main focus, uh, or one of the main focuses we'll have this morning. But it says, but to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Um, therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led capti captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended, what does it mean that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended uh, far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, uh, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro when carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But, speak, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him uh, who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working uh, by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Um, we'll see in this, in this portion that we just read that there are three stages of maturity, um, maturity growth in the church. Um, the first one, we see that gifted leaders are responsible for the equipping of the saints. Um, and it is very important to mention this morning that if you are saved, if you have placed your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you have at least one spiritual gift. Although we, we should seek and desire to have many, um, we have at least one. Um, I would encourage you to find out um, what that spiritual gift is so you can use it, and, and we'll go into that a little bit um, later. But there are three stages of maturity growth in the church. We saw the first one is gifted leaders are responsible for the equipping of the saints. Um, the second one would be the well-equipped saints to do the work of the ministry. And in verse 16, we see that as a result um, of the first two steps, the body of Christ is built up. Um, and that should really be our desire every, every, every time we encounter one another, to build one another up. Um, um, but in verse 14, when Paul speaks of um, 
that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Uh, when, he, when he speaks of children, that speaks of um, spiritual immaturity. Um, someone uh, perhaps who is young in the faith or someone who is old in the faith but yet has no knowledge of the word of God. Um, and, 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 a, and a child of the faith would have no idea how to differentiate between the truth and the false teachings that might come into the earth or come into the church. Um, at this time, the church was having many problems with people coming in and teaching false doctrines. And these people weren't grounded in their faith or the knowledge of the, knowledge of the word that they would often uh, be prone to believing those things. And then they'd be kind of confused. And um, we, we need to be grounded in, in the word of God so that we may uh, be able to tell the difference between the two. Um, but considering myself... I've been saved for 14 years now, I think it is. I thought about that this morning. Um, and when you consider the fact that I've been saved for 14 years, I should really know so much more about the Word of God than I do now. Um, I don't mean to praise Justin, but Justin's been saved for only a few years, and um, he's so much more spiritual mature than I am, and he knows so much more about the Word of God. And, and, and really, uh, I wish that I had the, the commitment that, that Justin had to the Word um, in my earlier years. Uh, perhaps that's something you can think about this morning for yourself. How long have you been saved? Uh, and, and are you still a child in the faith, or are you grounded in your knowledge of the Word of God? Um, um, a problem we have in the church today is that people uh, have been saved for so, young, for so long and yet are still, in, uh, still not mature in the faith. Uh, my, my grandpa always um, talks about these people, and he, he kind of refers to them as spiritual midgets. Uh, because they've been saved for so long, and yet they don't grow. Um, you need to ask yourself, well, I've been saved for 20, 50 years, and I still, you know, I'm still drinking the, the milk of the word. Why is that? Um, and, and I think we, we kind of justify it uh, by the fact that we all have busy schedules. Um, you know, oh, man, I worked 40 hours this week. Uh, I'm going to school. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Um, I, I just don't have time to read the word or... I don't have as much time as I should, or I don't commit myself as much as I should. Um, and we kind of justify it that way, when really we shouldn't, and, we, and really we can't. Um, we, should, we should be deep into the Word um, every day. Um, but in verse 15, in verse 15, um, we see that it, the result of doing all of these things, uh, the result of reading His Word, the result of walking um, in a manner that is worthy of our calling, we see that um, we, we grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. Um, our desire each and every day should be uh, to be more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we need to ask ourselves, well, how today can I portray the Lord Jesus Christ in my life? Um, how can I do that? Um, and we see, we see in verse 16, it says, From whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Um, the result of every member coming together, uh, building one another up, um, taking their share, um, pulling their load, is that the entire body uh, grows and the entire body is built up. And the, the problem is, if you don't know what your spiritual gift is, you don't know what your role in the church is, how can you come and build us up? How can you come and pull your own load? How can you, how can you come and 
um, really be a part of the assembly. Uh, the problem, uh, for example, with, with all these mega churches, um, I don't have anything against them except one thing. Um, they'll give the gospel every, every Sunday. People will be saved left and right. But then after that, it's like they just fall off the face of the earth. There, there's no growth. Uh, there's no way for them to really practice their spiritual gifts. And, and really, the Lord has designed it in a way to which we all should be involved. Uh, I was thinking about if, if, say, everyone showed up one Sunday morning, we'd have, we'd be generous about 150 people. That's kind of generous, including the Sunday school. You think in the Sunday school there may be six, seven teachers. We have two elders. Um, we have a speaker every Sunday morning. Um, that puts us, we'll say, 12, 15 people. Uh, what are the other 100-plus people doing? Um, uh, the problem is people come to church and just, they come to church just to be there, basically. Um, you know, I need to be fed. You know, I, I, I need to hear a good message um, so I can go home, take a nap, and, and feel good about myself. When really, that, that's not the way the Lord has designed it. Um, we should all take part. We should all pull our load. Uh, and, if, and if you don't know what your spiritual gift is, well, you need to find out. Uh, the, the fact is, uh, kind of a humbling thought to think is, if, if I show up and, and I don't take part the way I should, uh, I don't carry my own load the way I should, it says here that the entire body of Christ will suffer. Um, this, 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 this congregation in Claremont will suffer. Uh, because every member is not come together, every member is not pulling their own load. And that's a humbling thought to think that I personally could affect the growth of this assembly. Uh, we, we come together, we often pray for blessing, we, we pray that the Lord would um, help us grow and help us grow in numbers, and we think of Sunday school and how, uh, well, I guess now the numbers have, have kind of doubled with all the babies being born, but, um, you know, the babies, are, the, the numbers were so low and we were discouraged by that. Um, but we all need to, to pull our weight. And I, I think in order for the, I think the Lord is ready to bless this assembly, but I think in order for him to bless us, we need to get something straight in our own lives. Because why would he trust um, any more of his children to come here if we can't take care of the people that are here already? Um, and and we, we, we need to take that seriously. We need to pull our own weight. Um, just the very fact that I can cause, the, uh, me personally, Nick Weaver, can cause the entire body of Claremont Bible Chapel to suffer and to, to not grow. And, and, and that's a problem. That's a problem. Um, it's something that I should take seriously. It's something that we should all um, take seriously. But in Ephesians chapter 4, um, in verse 17, 17 um, this is really the portion of Scripture that I wanted to um, go deep into. Um, but in, 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 in verse 17, it says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being uh, past feeling have given themselves over to the lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Um, uh, this goes back to in the opening verses when he says that we should walk worthy of the calling in which we were called. Um, we should put on humility each and every day. We should uh, clothe ourselves with gentleness and so on and so forth. Um, but in verse 19, it's very interesting. He says, after describing all these people and how they walked and, and how 
um, they conducted themselves, he says, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness? Who being past feeling? Um, thankfully, uh, the Lord has placed a conscience each, into each and every one of us, um, those saved and those unsaved. Uh, those unsaved know that it is wrong to steal. And if you steal, well, you start to feel guilty inside. Your heart starts beating really quickly. Um, and, and as you become saved and in the, in the Holy Spirit uh, comes inside, he begins to change us from the inside out. Um, and, and, and really, the idea here is that if we continue to sin and we continue to practice this sin, our conscience becomes used to it. There's no longer that guilty feeling, and we just do it in repetition over and over and over. And he says... Um, that these people had done it so long that they were past feeling. Um, they, had, they no longer had a conscience towards these sins. Um, and so he, he instructs the people here at this time to not walk in the way in which they used to walk. Um, uh, when we went to, um, to Arizona for the Dove Opener, it was a great time. Um, Joe Reese was up there, and, and I don't, hope he doesn't mind me sharing this, but um, he was kind of sharing with us that um, before he came to know the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, he lives in Mississippi, one thing that's very common over there, and well, in California also, is that they like to drink. And so, he, you know, he'd go to the bar, you know, he'd drink. Uh, well, he came, he came to know the Lord Jesus Christ uh, one day, and uh, he came, and same routine, would go to the bar and get, and get an order a drink. But as he sat there with a drink in his hand, he had a, he had a feeling. He thought, my dad's watching me right now. And... I don't remember, uh, Joe Reese was telling us that he had, no, at that point in time, he hadn't talked to his father in years, in, in years. I can't remember if his father perhaps had passed away or, or, if, or if he had left, you know, or, or, or if they had a fallout, whatever it might have been. But he thought to himself, my dad's watching me right now. And is really his heavenly father. Um, we see that Holy Spirit begins to change us from the inside and out. Um, but if we continue to go, go against uh, the Holy Spirit, then our conscience then becomes grown and, and used and comfortable to these um, sins. Uh, and the thought we have this morning is uh, putting on Christ. In verse 20, this is when we start to get into it. He says, But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to de the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Uh, in the verses we just read, um, there are three things that we are instructed to do. The, the number one thing is to put off the old man, to put off the desires of our flesh, what, we, what maybe we, we used to do, maybe what, we, what we're doing now. We need to put those things off, and we need to... Um, Sorry, uh, there it is. Uh, we, and we, meet, we need to put those things off and make no provisions for the flesh. Um, the second thing is to renew in the spirits of our minds, to be renewed in the spirits of our mind. And we see that in verse 23. Well, the question is, well, how can I renew the spirit of my mind? Um, and we see that in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And this is the key. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 
Um, spiritual transformation in our life begins in our mind and in our heart. And the question we should really ask ourselves every day is, is what am I putting in my mind on a day-to-day basis? What is my heart desire on a day-to-day basis? What is my heart concerned with on a day-to-day basis? Is it the bills that we have to pay? Is it um, all, my, all my troubles at work? Um, you know, what, what are these concerns that our heart has? What, what, what is constantly going through our mind? Um, I saw this quote, and it says, A mind that is dedicated to the world and its concerns will produce a life tossed back and forth. Um, We can resist the temptations um, of the culture and of this world by meditating on God's truth um, and on God's word and letting the Holy Spirit guide and shape our lives. Uh, Perhaps a prayer we should should pray every morning is, Lord, um, make me more like your son today, because that's really his desire that we should be conformed more and more each and every day to the, to the, to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we should be more like him. Um, and so if we, if we fill our minds and hearts constantly with the word of God, then you know, he will be able to shape us and guide us. Instead, if we're filling it with worldly music, if we're filling it with this, our worries at work and that, and then you know, we're just going to be tossed back and forth, uh, back and forth. Um, and then finally, uh, the third thing we're instructed to do is to put on the new man. Um, and in the end of verse 24, it says, in true righteousness and holiness. Um, as I thought about this, I thought, well, what's the difference between righteousness and holiness? Uh, righteousness is to be made right or justified. Uh, holiness means to be set apart for God's service and purpose. Righteous is to be, righteousness is to be made right or justified. And we know that we can only do that uh, by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and, and we should really set ourselves apart um, to do the will of God and, and to, to, to have that in our hearts. Um, and we'll be continuing in Ephesians um, chapter 4 and verse 25. Um, it says, Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Um, uh, let him who steals steal no longer, but rather let him labor working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him um, who has need. Um, I think the emphasis in verse 28 is not so much on no longer stealing, because stealing is a sin. But I think the bigger emphasis is on the complete change of this person's life. Uh, we think of this person stealing for his own benefit, stealing from other people to benefit himself. But instead, as he comes to know the Lord Jesus Christ and as he um, begins to be changed from the inside out, he decides to get a job so that he can give back to those who are in need. Um, and so I think that's the biggest emphasis we have um, in, this, in this verse. Um, we are running out of time, but in verse 29, uh, he says, let no, one, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Um, edification is actually an architectural term. It literally means to build up, uh, to stack upon, to, to build a house, to build it up. Um, and that should be our desire to uh, build one another up each and every day. Uh, one of my very good friends, we, we have this thing where um, if we're talking bad about someone, uh, one person will yell, bullets, because what that does is it shoots the person down, right? Um, and, and if we're speaking good about someone, we'll say bricks, because that builds them up. 
Uh, and so that's how we kind of hold each other accountable. So bullets and bricks, you can, you can use that if you want. Um, uh, in verse 30, uh, he says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. To grieve the Spirit means to reject or to not listen to. Um, it, it's, a, it's a crazy thing that, to think that if, if the Lord is prompting me to do something and I don't do it, it literally brings sorrow to his heart. I mean, that's how much he, cons- he, he, he cares for us and is concerned for us. He wants nothing but the best for us. He desires us to do the best, and if we don't do those things, it causes grief in his heart. Um, but when you think about it in that way, I mean, you really can't, re- you really can't think of resisting the Spirit because you're, you're literally bringing, bringing sorrow to the heart of the one who loves us so much and gave so much up for us. Um, so we are to not grieve the Spirit. Um, and then in verse 31, as we wrap up, he says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Um, and, and we see that in, in this verse, everything that's mentioned here is, is really in complete opposition to what we, we read this morning, how we are to put on lowliness, uh, humility, gentleness, and long-suffering. Um, in verse 32, uh, he says, And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Um, we talked about in Colossians chapter 3 last time I spoke how we are to forgive one another. And I've heard many definitions of forgiveness. And my grandpa actually came up and gave my favorite one a couple weeks ago. But he said, forgiveness is the willingness to pay the damages. Because that's exactly what Christ did. Oftentimes when we say that we, quote unquote, forgave someone, we often hold on memory to it, don't we? And whenever that person does something against us, we say, Remember that one time you did this? I had a friend who, another camp story, a lot of good, good camp stories, but um, a friend who, okay, you, you, put, you put all these high school boys and girls at the same place for a whole week. There's only a matter of seconds before you start having crushes and so on and so forth. I have a friend who uh, had this girl who, who, who liked him very much, and uh, he wasn't concerned uh, with girls at the time. He just wanted to focus, and so... Maybe didn't think things through all the way, but he started to ignore this girl who, um, who liked him very much. And, uh, you know, after, after, you know, he apologizes and uh, she says, oh, you know, I forgive you, you know, whatever. But then every time they would talk, she would bring it up. Well, you know, we had all this time to talk, and yet, you know, you, you, you ignored me the whole week. And so it's like, well, if you forgave me, then, then why, are you, why are you still holding on to these things? Um, but we need to have the willingness to pay the damages as Christ did. Um, and, and when we think about how, in Luke chapter 7, verse 47, when he's talking about the, the woman who came and washed the feet of the Lord Jesus with her tears and her, and her hair, um, at the end of the story it says, To whom much has been forgiven, loveth much. And I think we tend to have the wrong uh, mindset towards forgiveness. Uh, we tend to hold on to the things of, oh, this person did this to my grandpa 1,000 years ago, and I will never, you know, forgive this person. Um, and we tend to, to hold on to those things and how that person hurt us, hurt our family members, hurt our loved ones so long ago. 
Um, and, and we hold on to those things in, in, when we, we really should instead be holding on to the very fact that we caused so much grief to the Lord that he had to send his son to die for us and through his death that we would have forgiveness. And I think if, if we held on to that each and every day, we would be able to easily let go of anything any person had ever done to us because nothing that that person could ever do to me would be as much as I cost the Lord. Um, and so I think we really need to focus on that. Um, just one more verse uh, as we close up in Ephesians. We'll go into chapter 5. I just, I just like this verse very much. He says, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also loved us um, and gave himself for us in offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Uh, the fact that we should imitate God. In order to imitate someone, uh, you have to spend time with them, and you have to know who they are, what their interests are. Um, as, as you all know, I was born into a, a house with uh, four sisters. I didn't have a brother, um, so my dad would go to work oftentimes for a day or two, and I'd be left alone in a house full of women, uh, which isn't you know, a, a young boy's you know, dream. Um, <laughs> But whenever my dad came home, I would, I would imitate him. I would walk around him. Uh, he, he loved drinking coffee. My grandpa loved drinking coffee. Um, men drink coffee. And so I'd sit down, and my dad and grandpa would let me have a sip of their coffee, and I would just, I would just eat every second up. Um, and my dad would come home, and he'd do things like mow the lawn. And um, my mom bought me this, this little lawnmower that was plastic, and as you push, you know, bubbles come out. And so as my dad was mowing the lawn, I'd follow behind him, and there'd be bubbles all over the place. Uh, uh, but, but the idea here is that uh, to imitate the Lord, we need to spend time with him to know what he would do in every circumstance, in every situation. Um, and, and if we really want, I guess my main message this morning is if we really want to see growth in the assembly, perhaps we need to examine our lives and ask ourselves, well, how can I help this happen? and pray about that ourselves. Um, if I want this assembly to be built up, well, how can I apply my spiritual gift, if I even know what that is, to this assembly and help us grow in that sense? Uh, we, need to, we need to observe these things. If we truly want blessing uh, from the Lord, then we need to observe our lives and, and, and make sure that we're ready for the blessing. Uh, we're ready for the blessing. And so... Uh, with that, I think we'll just close in prayer. I apologize. I know my, my thoughts are kind of all scattered all over the place. Like I said, uh, I prepared this message in about eight hours, and I'm going on two hours of sleep, so bear with me. But um, I think we'll be able to um, walk away, hopefully, with a, with, a, with a better appreciation of the Lord and a better desire to want to do His will. And so with that, let's just close in prayer. Uh, our dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this time that you've allowed us to open your word. Uh, Father, uh, I ask that nothing uh, about me was able to hold your message back, but Father, that we would able to, that we'd be able to uh, think upon this message and apply it to our hearts, uh, apply it to our lives. Father, we desire to see blessing in this assembly. Father, help us to prepare ourselves for that blessing. Father, what a terrible thing it would be for you to uh, have the blessings waiting for us, and yet we are really the thing hindering these blessings. Uh, Father, we, we ask that we would be ready, that we would be ready to build one another up, that we would be ready to build those up that you bring into this assembly. Father, we desire to be more like your son. And so, Father, we ask that you would truly help us to put on humility, 
to put on patience, um, to bear one another's burdens, Father, as you've commanded us. And so, Father, with that, uh, we just commit this day to you, Father, and ask, Father, truly for your blessing upon it. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.